Hi, and welcome to Article 23. This is our special edition International Women's Day episode. Um, Sonia and Kutsik here in the hosting chair, and I'm joined by Rhonda Brighton Hall. Delighted to be here, and happy International Women's Day, everybody. Yay! So, <laughs> Friday, the 8th of March, our theme for this year is Balance for Better. Yes. Every context, every country around the world, awesome stuff. Now, Today, we're taking a slightly different tack with our podcast. Um, We're going to start by looking at International Women's Day and five myths that we absolutely need to bust when we're talking about equality. Um, And then in, you know, true moi style, the optimism comes through at the end. We're going to look at the three things we absolutely should be talking about that are going to change this debate and take us forward. Great. So, Rhonda, let's not waste any time. What are the five myths we're going to bust? Number one, women don't have any confidence. Blah. Number two. Uh, we don't support each other. Number three, flexibility is sold by women. It's a women's issue. Yeah, of course. Number four, we're divided by age. Some generations have it right and some generations don't get it. And the fifth one is women don't deal well with tough stuff. I wish you could see the visual of us because the <laughs> kind of visceral rolling our eyes and shaking our head is pretty strong in this room. But let's go through them in a bit more detail. So. The number one thing I hear all the time is, you know, this would be solved, but equality would be solved if women were just a bit more confident. Yeah, I know. It's a really, I know, I know. It's just a crazy one. I love to look at the studies, as we know. Yes. (laughs) Nothing like a bit of data. Right. So this one actually comes from a bit of a myth that was from an old internal Hewlett-Packard study when they were deciding why women didn't apply for jobs and promotions. But in 2014... Harvard actually did a study on why women and men don't apply for jobs and they actually mapped it gender-based in a much more rigorous study. And what they found is confidence had El Zippo to do with it. (laughs) And actually the reason that men and women don't apply for jobs and women slightly higher than men was only because they thought that the process wouldn't deal with them well. So it was actually, I'm not going to waste my time on your process if I think your process is rubbish. And look, that seems pretty fair. And really, how many sessions have you sat in in your career, Rhonda, with you know a well-intentioned but often very scary lady at the front <laughs> telling you how to be confident? And you're kind of thinking, goodness, I, I don't want to have to yell at meetings. Like, it's a bit scary. <laughs> and you're sort of trying to not, you think, oh, I mustn't be acting very, I better not act confident when actually most women are quite confident, as are most men. Absolutely. So let's pack. Although we have our bad days, but that's not. Don't we all? <laughs> so a pack today between you and I and every single person listening, we are never going to talk about that again. And we are never going to go to that training again. No. And if somebody says that, we're going to gently and firmly share the Harvard Business Review we are. study we are. Uh, and let the data talk. So next one. I love this one. So women don't support each other. I know. And this is one that sort of goes, women can't work together. So queen bees, it's very difficult, blah, blah, blah. But actually women have been shown to support each other incredibly well. So at Princeton Inquiry 2016, looking across 100 really, really senior women, and what we found is that they're so supported by other women. And when you map them, it's like, whoa, the number of senior women across the whole of this country, and not the world, are deeply connected. If you don't think you need a girlfriend, then think again, because girlfriends are absolutely critical. And while queen bees might get all the loud media and a bit of a rant, the reality is that otters do rule the world. We hold each other up, we help each other float, we hang on to each other, we are deeply community-based. And if anything, it's exactly the opposite to this myth. Women support women really, really well. 
And if you think about it, I think about my circle, I'm in a lovely group of adorable otters and we're doing some pretty amazing work and I can be a great otter and a great helper to a lot of people. So, you know, little cutesy jokes aside, we have an impact in this right now. So you can be good for other women and they will be good for you. Just get on and start doing it. Yeah, and, and be loud about it because, I mean, I spent last weekend with seven girlfriends and we went away together. It was just so much fun to hear each other's stories, how we're going to support each other, lean in, laugh together, have a great time. Girlfriends are super important. Next one. This is one that's very close to my heart. Um, this idea that flexibility is something that needs to be solved by women. I know. It is seen still and always talked about as a women's or even less than that. It's actually a mum's issue. Yeah. Now, the reality of this, and let me get some data points on the table again, of course, <laughs> um, only 70 to 71% of Australian women will actually have children. So if you're going to treat anything as a mum's issue, you're literally discounting a third of females before you do anything else that's let alone discounting all of men and how important it is and what we know from flexibility studies in 2017 and 18 is actually the rate with which men are applying for flexibility is just as high as women what is different is that men are being rejected for flexibility and women are getting it more often and so that sort of divide is making it seem like well women are nurturing and caring and therefore they need flexible work to be nurturing and caring and there's men who are equally nurturing and caring or have other things in their life with which they'd like to do something flexibly and free um, are being turned down for it. So it's just a really crazy divide that we've created there. We just have to take this idea that flexibility is like a persona-based construct. So if you're a young mum or a working mum, you need it, or if you've got aging parents, and just say flexibility is valuable and it's a part of your life and it's a part of your work, and let's just put it in for everyone in a way that works. Flexibility is freedom. Flexibility is freedom to decide how you want to live your life. Absolutely. And I assume everybody wants that. Absolutely. So again, another one, flexibility is not something to be solved by women alone. We all need to dig up our sleeves and actually sort of way through. Yep. Okay, for uh, fourth myth, we're divided by age. And we're, and we're not. There's all this crazy view that there's sort of this, that women who are more mature like me are, are very feminist and understand the gender and we're fighting hard for it. but. You know, I've got a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old daughter, and believe me, they're just as strong on this topic, and they're just as feminist as I ever have been in my life, and as, as feminist as my mother was. So this next, next generation completely understand how hard it's been to get to this point, that we still have a bloody long way to go, and they're ready to play their role in that in a really great way. And you see it on all the memes and jokes on Facebook that they are really funny, but they so get that they are a part of the link in this massive chain that we have formed over time to move this equity forward. And I think it's fantastic. So I hate it when people divide us on generation. I would add, and uh, we're a bit ranty today on these topics, <laughs> I would add that in 2018, uh, London Business School actually banned uh, their professors and lecturers from talking about generational theory based on the fact that it's absolute rubbish. So they can no longer say Gen X, Gen Y, Millennial, blah, 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 because it's rubbish. You know what? I love doing these podcasts with you because you come in with, you know, very clear facts and data and kind of a, a clear analysis, and which allows me to be ranty and be quite emotional about this. <laughs> yes. I've got a particular bias with this issue because I think this is kind of saying we're going to infight amongst ourselves and have a really definitional argument about what feminism is and what you need to say, and we're just going to casually ignore that big mountain we actually need to climb. Yeah. So we feminism is really about equality and choice. Yeah. So cool. For all, men and women. Absolutely. And if <laughs> Your choice is not to be a shouty feminist or to be a shouty feminist, like go nuts, but actually let's combine our spirit, energy, effort into climbing that mountain because that's yep. where we need to go. Completely agree. Okay, 
last myth women we don't deal with the tough stuff well yeah i know and this is the one we say well women can't handle the argy bargy of a tough industry or a tough board or a tough big corporate job and the reality is when you look at the deep understanding of conflict resolution um, there is evidence that men and women resolve conflict equally, so that's yep. the first thing. There is different styles in conflict resolution, and the one that we've traditionally thought of as more masculine, um, which is to resolve conflict in a task-orientated way, actually resolve the conflict quite, quite quickly, but it leads to lower resonance scores on collaboration, participation in culture and debate. So in other words, it shuts people down. Yep. When you look at what we traditionally think of as a more feminine conflict resolution style, which is negotiated more democratic which I might add men and women both do sometimes, depending on the person, it leads to an ongoing commitment to culture, continued engagement, and it doesn't shut people down. So it's this oppressive conflict resolution style, which can look dominating and in control, uh, actually leads to a much worse outcome, and the conflict will just stay under the covers and come back to get you in quite a passive-aggressive approach to working around culture. Absolutely. If you haven't created a culture where people can debate, bring up ideas, and, and really have an opinion on things. And so um, there's a great program, actually, if anyone's interested in this conflict resolution topic, which we, which we love. It's called Peaceable Classrooms, and it's actually named as Conflict for Violent Times, and what the Conflict Resolution for Violent Times and what they actually teach students, and we're talking primary school kids, is they this. actually teach them to resolve conflict in a way that keeps people whole, to be open and listening to a different view, to lean into different ideas, and actually to resolve the conflict in a way that's actually quite calm and quite democratic. So I think the, that way of resolving conflict is already the way a lot of women resolve conflict, and I think it's the way to go in the future. And I think for a lot of us, it's about changing that mental model we had in our, have in our head about what good conflict management looks like and actually moving with our own hearts and minds this peaceable classrooms method. Okay, so we've kind of called bullshit on five myths that are just wasting our time. <laughs> yes. Um, Let's look at the three things that we actually should be focusing our efforts on to make a change. And I think they're massive and we can do them pretty quickly in summary. So let's do the first one yep. is, is systems. We've got a system around childcare, school hours and the way that that works that just is set up for like a really imaginary traditional family that very few people have i mean don't don't we all work full time and then can drop our kids off at our local primary school at nine and casually make it back from the city by three and have dinner on the table by five does that does that not happen not in my house <laughs> not in any house i've ever been yeah, exactly to right. grew up in. but that's sort of school hours the way we do childcare. father's day breakfast at 7 30 mother's day morning teas at 11 for people who work is a really crazy structure and so we've really got to challenge that we've got to challenge that system every day i remember the first time i got tired of challenging it at my daughter's schools and i went along to father's day breakfast because i just can't do morning tea at 11 so we just switched i went to breakfast it worked really well but you know we should be changing those things Oh yeah, all workarounds and hilarity aside if anything else in society was this broken yes. we would have a royal commission into it yeah. so let's just oh, fix some Not stuff <laughs> Let's just do some actions yeah, to fix that might it. be nice. Okay, the next one, equal pay. Come on. I know. Equal pay is just like one of those givens. We keep celebrating a 0.25% improvement or some tiny trend line, even though the trend line is not consistently upwards. It's sort of a bit wavery. But the reality is we just need to accept that paying people unequally is not okay. Yeah. And until we all just go, men and women, all walks of life, if you do a job that's equal to someone else's, you ought to be paying, being paid the same. And that's before we get out to things like super inequity and the superannuation issues that we've got. We've just got to get this financial independence of women and men equally valued. 
I don't want to even give that one any more air. We just need to actually fix that and keep moving. Completely agree. The last one is an absolute, um, something I'm incredibly passionate about, which is the impact of violence on women. Yeah, and I think you should talk on this. You're very well read on it. You're a huge advocate against violence, and I'd love to hear what you have to say. So I just want to share a couple of stats. Thanks, Rhonda, to kind of start us off. So one woman every single week in Australia is murdered by their partner or an ex-partner. One in four women one in four have experienced emotional or physical abuse. One in three have experienced physical violence or sexual violence since the age of 15. Gosh, it's just, it's terrifying numbers, aren't they? And this last one, young women, so those between 18 and 24 are experiencing the highest rate of sexual and physical violence. Yeah, wow. This is just, the equality around pay and, you know, better schooling systems and better working hours, absolutely fundamental. But the baseline has to be, let's keep women safe. Yeah, and, and when we're wasting our time talking about whether or not we're confident to fill out a resume, when we are, and we should be talking about this, which is actually devastating for people's lives, not even just their working lives, but their lives totally. So this is just, we just need to solve this right now. Definitive action, clear action, and keep people safe. That's exactly right. So we have ranted a little bit today, but that's because we feel so strongly about this. Just get rid of those five myths that people keep rubbing on, and they absolute rubbish. And then get these three things, and there's a list of them, but three is a great place to start. (laughs) Let's start talking really strongly about the systems that are around us that are stopping us from flexible and independent lives. Equal pay, equal wealth, very, very important. And thirdly, let's get this violence in women stopped. Thank you so much. We've so enjoyed this special edition. It was fun. Now, everybody... And a big, big, big thank you, we must say, to Fem Economy Absolutely. for the invitation to do this special edition for the Fem Economy community. Um, it's a wonderful organisation and we are so appreciative of being included in the community. Thank you very much. So fly your purple flags, put your purple T-shirt on. Let's celebrate International Women's Day 2019. Let's go. Moi. See you later. Moi for us. Bye.